we resist before we explore. Um, and that's the solutions part of uh, moving toward being more strategic in HR is that, that resisting the immediate no and looking for opportunities to maybe it's not necessarily a yes, but maybe it's a reframing on both sides of what the solution is to the problem that's being presented. Um, so first step, just don't say no, <laughs> count to 10, uh, do something that allows you to ask a question, to define it further, whatever the situation is, gain greater clarity around it. Cause that's the other piece that I see oftentimes for executives, regardless of, of function is answering the wrong question. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, president of Imperative Premium Background Checks with Fast and Friendly Service. And this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. We've talked about artificial intelligence on many episodes of Good Morning HR this year, and I've presented on the topic numerous times at HR conferences and at SHRM chapters. As I make those live presentations, I generally encounter two responses from HR professionals. The first group sees AI as a threat to their role. These are generally the more transaction-oriented HR professionals, and yes, AI is going to continue to make those roles more efficient, and many organizations will need fewer transactional HR reps. But the second group sees AI as a means to become more effective in their role, removing administrative tasks and freeing them up to focus more on building the people side of the business. And this group has very little fear of AI. What does the latter group understand that the former group does not. Joining me today to discuss not AI, but what it means for the people function to be truly strategic is Matt Williams. Matt is an executive coach and the managing partner at Epiphany Professional Development. Matt has corporate leadership experience in the Fortune 100, has been involved in entrepreneurial and turnaround projects, and has helped numerous executives and their teams develop the skills and competencies necessary to ensure individual, team, and organizational success. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Matt. Thank you, Mike. Good morning. So I may have overgeneralized a little bit in the introduction, but when you're working with organizations, do you generally see that the there is a spectrum between transactional HR and truly strategic HR organizations? Yeah, you overgeneralized horribly, Mike. <laughs> and actually, there's uh, a very similar trend going on within the uh, uh, tenets of coaching as well. Uh, the introduction of AI is uh, driving ripples through many industries and many functions, as, as uh, everybody knows, I believe. But yes, I see it similarly um, in the organizations as well, those who are focused on uh, transactional short-term uh, functions and those that step back and are more focused on, more attentive to the longer-term strategic needs and initiatives of an organization. 
So I'm going to sidetrack here because I'm just curious, how is AI affecting the coaching world? There are, there are a number of uh, AI apps becoming available. There's, a, there, there's quite a bit of commoditization uh, of, mm. of coaching. Uh, to try to bring what is hoped to be the, the the benefits, some of the benefits of coaching to a broader audience um, within the, the the coaching tenants. Much of that has been reserved for senior levels uh, of leadership within organizations. And so the effort, um, and AI plays a role in that, is to bring it to a broader scope throughout the organization and at least give them access to uh, some tools around uh, challenging questions, accountability, um, some some disciplines that might help them uh, perform at a higher level as well without accessing the direct one-on-one personal kind of coaching that, that most of us know as coaching mm-hmm. in the industry. Interesting, because I have benefited so much over my career from the coaches I've worked with. And the amount of, especially on the self-reflection side, I mean, there's certain, I, I'm sure there are tools I've learned over the years that I could have learned from a, from an app or, you know, some, you know, some interactive feedback chat or something, but the self-reflection piece that I get from coaching, I can't imagine ever getting that from a bot. I mean, we'll have to get well past the Turing test, I think, before we have, uh, you can really get that level of, of insight in, from, from a, an AI coach. Well, and, and so I think the issues are similar when it comes to strategic AR um, functioning, right? Um, the AI bots for coaching are very transactional in nature. Um, they can give you step A, step B. They can focus on some of the disciplines that m- might make someone perform at a higher level. But the reflective piece, the long-term, the strategy, um, everything that goes into long-term or more strategic HR functioning is something that AI really struggles bringing to the table. So I do talk to a lot of HR people. I mean, most of my clients are HR related and I speak at these conferences and I often hear from HR people that say they want to be strategic, but that they feel like their organization just wants them to be transactional, just get payroll out, just get on, new employees onboarded, and and you're good. But then when I ask them, so what kind of strategic initiatives would you like to see the organization take around their people function? They really don't have an answer. So... Uh, what would you say to that HR person who wants the seat at the table, but they can't even find the conference room? Where do you start? <laughs> it's well put. Um, I think first and foremost, in in organizations, just you know, we're we're, we're made up of people, and there are biases that exist. Um, uh, that permeate organizations. And, and one of the big biases is HR is transactional. They're, they're the no group. They're the ones that, that take care of pl- compliance and the rules and the procedures and that type of thing. So one of the first uh, considerations, I guess, in, in moving to a more strategic um, level within an organization is to be that leader. Um, to be that leader that moves out of the transactional world and sells the value around initiatives that align with the business objectives, um, which in, in and of itself suggests that you know and understand the business objectives, which 
you know, be, because of those biases, because of the the um, framework often around the HR uh, individual or group, um, they become so focused, so tunnel visioned uh, around the compliance aspect that it's really hard to grasp the larger, more strategic picture. But that's that's certainly one of the first steps that has to take place is knowing the business, knowing the products, knowing the competitors, knowing what the business interests are beyond the scope of just um, the, the functional HR, uh, responsibilities. Yeah. So I always say that compliance, not getting the company sued and executing on payroll benefits, orientation and open enrollment. Those are, those are table stakes. That's just the cost of being in the game. That's, that's, you know, HR 101 stuff, but it is increasingly easy to outsource that stuff. And um, it's unless you're coming into an organization where it's been done horribly poorly in the past, it's really hard to add a lot of value there. And so the first step, like you just said, is that you need to understand the business. And it's amazing how many HR folks I talk to who really don't understand how their company makes money. Maybe they know what they manufacture, but they don't know the rest of the environment the company operates in. Uh, they don't know what their margins look like. They don't know how their their people costs affect those margins, things like that. So what would you tell that HR professional says, okay, so how do I better understand the rest of the organization uh, in order to you know be able to better contribute? Well, and first I'll comment on the, uh, the, the, the table stakes piece. So those are clearly, and we all understand how critically important those are. It's not that they're not important, right. but to your point, they're becoming more easily outsourced. Um, and it's hard to establish incremental value for those things. So as far as understanding the business better, I, I would suggest that we do that like we do when we're trying to assimilate information around any particular area of, of interest or importance. And the first is to step outside of ourselves, right? Um, we, we, we have to have an interest in exploring those new areas and understanding how they connect. We spend so much time narrowly focused um, in, in our in our work. And, you know, it's, it's the poor individual that has 12 hours of work to get done in an eight hour day. And then we're telling them to find ways to learn more about the business. But I think if if we can uh, step back from time to time, have conversations and explore um, the business with those who have direct responsibility for differing business functions, we'll grow to understand it better. Um, so may, maybe it stopped being so intently focused on the urgent issues of the moment and stepping back from time to time, it was Covey, I think, that called it quadrant two, right? Pay, paying attention to those things that are important, but not necessarily urgent. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was talking to an HR person not long ago who started a new role at a manufacturing facility. And they told her before day one, you're going to spend the first week working on the floor. It's not highly skilled, but it will give, we require everybody who comes in to any kind of office job, spend a week on the floor and you'll understand how we, you know, how we do business. You'll understand the challenges our employees face on a daily basis and, uh, and how we serve our customers. And that's how, and quite honestly, she was pushing back. She didn't think that was, 
you know, that's not what they're paying me for. I'm, I'm a professional and I've, I've, you know, I've got X years of experience and all of that. And I suggested, no, I think this is a really good idea. It's an opportunity for you to, to quickly learn the things that may take you months otherwise to learn about culture, how things get done, and, uh, and build relationship with um, those frontline supervisors. But a lot of people don't want to do it. You're, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think it's not only an opportunity for, for the HR community to experience more of that, but I think that's one of the value propositions HR can bring to leadership is a more robust, a more um, structured, um, consistent onboarding process for the employees that come into the organization that's, that's very often overlooked and a, and a tremendous opportunity for, for both HR and the organization to ramp people up much more quickly and make them more productive and more satisfied and more engaged and all of those things that lead to better organizational performance. And if you want to understand finance, Pick somebody in accounting, have lunch with them. And, and maybe you're not at that level where you're going to go to you know, lunch with the CFO, but you'd be amazed what you can learn from the bookkeeper or right. from the accounts payable clerk or whatever about just what their life is like on a daily basis. And they've got insight into what's going on in, in that whole pillar of the organization. And you, know, you have to take some up with a grain of salt because you may pick the one person who's cranky about everything in accounting. But at least you're having that experience and, and do that with marketing and everybody else and just put it on your schedule. Once a week, I'm going to have lunch with somebody outside of my little HR bubble. Here. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an opportunity for all of us. I call it take an alien to lunch, right? It's get outside of your your comfort zone, outside of that uh, that, that group of people that we tend to confine ourselves to as we get um, deeper and deeper into any particular function. And you mentioned when you were talking about compliance, HR is known for saying no. And I always call it the Dr. No syndrome because I'm a <laughs> James Bond fan. But um, so uh, talk about that. How do you get out of that that mindset that, you know, that my job in HR is to keep you from getting sued? So that means I tell you no on everything. Well, you hit on a on, on a pretty important point, and their job is to protect the organization, right, as well as protect the employees in in the process uh, of that. You know, as 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 an old guy, um, as a parent, that was one of my struggles, right, to resist the immediate temptation to say no, and I think it becomes habitual, right? We 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 resist before we explore, um, and that's the solutions part of uh, moving toward being more strategic in HR is that, that resisting the immediate no and looking for opportunities to, maybe it's not necessarily a yes, but maybe it's a reframing on both sides of what the solution is to the problem that's being presented. Um, so first step, just don't say no, <laughs> count to 10, right. uh, do something that allows you to ask a question, to define it further, whatever the situation is, gain greater clarity around it. Cause that's the other piece that I see oftentimes for executives, regardless of, of function is answering the wrong question. 
because we make assumptions around what the question is that's being asked because of a, a breadth of history, right? We, we think we're hearing the same thing. So just taking the time to ask a, another question and clarify further, because maybe there's a solution in the next statement. And managers come to us often with solutions and maybe their, you know, their solution is not the right one. But like you say, we don't ask the questions to understand what are they trying to get at. And so it's perfectly fair to say, well, that will get us in trouble because it's a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. But help me understand what you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and, and, and what causes that. And, what are the, and let's, do, you know, let's go all the way to the root causes and understand what's, what the real problem is. And so we're not just putting a Band-Aid on it and have to address it again later. And then let's figure out what the people solution is to that, those root problems. How do we fix those issues? And, and then we're, we can be, you know, HR is a partner, uh, you know, to solve a problem rather than somebody who gives permission uh, to do something or not to do something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I recognize it's an oversimplification um, uh, of, of a competency, if you will, but between the workload, between the demands, between the assumptions that we make, the biases that we have, right? We all jump to conclusions fairly quickly. And so the, the, the exercise is to your point to step, step back and um, ask that next question, explore it a bit further, be curious. Um, and, it, you know, and, and in reality, the answer may still be no, um, but you're deepening your relationship and you're gaining greater understanding of what their objectives are in the long run. So that maybe next time there's a solution that you can bring to the table before a question even arises. And maybe the no is no because... Mm-hmm. Let me give you some training. And maybe we realize, okay, none of our managers understand this issue. And so we really need to, you know, this is a training opportunity that we need to roll out so that we, because unfortunately, and, and my poor listeners hear me say it all the time, we throw people in management roles, you know, people leader roles without giving them all the skills and information necessary to be really good people leaders. You know, you were a great machinist. And so now you're a supervisor over the machinist. And that may not be completely you know, different skill set, skills. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's why people have coaches too, right? Because just because I'm a visionary entrepreneur doesn't mean that I've got the people skills and and the self-awareness that I need to be really successful in the long term and have a lifestyle that I want in addition to a successful business. Right. And so that's the value coaches bring. Yeah, there's a difference between an adrenaline junkie and a manager, right? There you go. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. We're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary, helping risk-averse clients make well-informed decisions about the people they involve in their business. If you don't absolutely love your current background screening partner, maybe you don't have confidence in the quality of the information they're providing, maybe the reports take too long without a reasonable explanation, or when you get a report, you have to Google stuff to figure out what they're even talking about. Or maybe their customer service is just not what you deserve. Then maybe the start of a new year is a good time to explore your options. If so, please reach out to us at imperativeinfo.com. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. And if you're an SBHR, it also qualifies for business credit. 
To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 126 and enter the keyword credibility. That's C-R-E-D-I-B-I-L-I-T-Y. And now back to my conversation with Matt Williams. So what else would you suggest that somebody who's really, you know, trying to get more strategic? Uh, so, you know, maybe they understand better about how the business works. Um, they're thoughtful now with uh, when when managers come to them with problems or, you know, things that they want to do that we need to, you know, reconsider. Um, what else would you say that someone who's trying to be more strategic ought to to consider, you, you you touched on it a moment ago when you when you brought up the the aspect of of training and tra- and training is just one um, initiative that HR uh, can be responsible for and bring to the table. But it's those conversations, to your point, where the gaps are defined in organizational performance, and organizational performance is all geared towards achieving the strategic objectives that business leaders have laid out, right? So all too often, um, those kind of initiatives become checkboxes. We need to do them because, right? Uh, because we don't do them now or um, whatever the reason is. And I, and I think taking a very critical look at those things, being proactive in that and selling the value of those things and how they can truly impact the metrics of the organization as opposed to just putting them in because they're missing. Um, can can reframe who the individual is um, from a leadership perspective, right? And and give them greater insight into how that training, if it if it is that, is designed, put into practice, and the ultimate impact to the organization, um, as opposed to the checkbox. I think that's certainly a way that they can do that. And in 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 addition to that, and part of that, I think is um, in moving away from the, the, the tactical aspect of HR, I think it's important that HR leaders begin to, once they've, once they've built the relationships, assimilated the business knowledge, understand the, uh, the business as it were and how their people strategies align to, to uh, leadership, is to challenge business leadership in some of these areas that they can't put oftentimes a hard number to, right? But but the data, the research, everything else points to the impact that it has to organizational pro- profitability and branding and everything else. And, and I, I think those arguments can be made. And I think when they're made uh, by the individual who's established themselves, done many of the other things that we've talked about, then they begin to show that strategic leadership that we're talking about. And I think this is one of the areas that AI can be a a great tool to help you identify performance gaps. You know, to 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 put your data sets in and and you know your performance evaluation results in, and maybe your quality numbers and and areas where you've got quality issues, and and get better analysis than a person spending three days with, you know, a a computer full of spreadsheets may be able to dig out of it. And so, but then it still comes back to that human element. Okay, so here are the issues uh, that we've identified. We can take this to leadership and then we can sell, make the the business case for this training or for, uh, you know, this is what our, 
this is what our employee feedback scores are. This is what our uh, our stay interview results say. This is what our exit interviews are telling us. And these are areas where we can definitely improve as an organization. Here's the data, and here's my proposed solution to it. That is is you know the strategic uh, approach to to solving the business's problems rather than what I see too often on some of the HR boards, uh, you know, on Facebook and LinkedIn is. Somebody will post a comment. Uh, my leadership told me to come up with three strategic objectives. What are your strategic objectives? What do y'all think? And I'm like, that's. I don't know your organization. You know, it's your your strategic objectives ought to start with what the organization's goals are and what their objectives are. Um, and I think there's a lot of HR folks who aren't even really aware of what the organization's strategies are, what their goals are for the year. Other than maybe, you know, cut expense by 3%. So, you know, we know that 3% has got to come from HR too. So, Yeah, and I, and I get that it's, it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg too, right? Because without the, 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 the credibility or, or the opportunity to gain insight into some of the higher level business objectives and strategies, it's hard to say this is how I'm going to align with them. Um, uh, but, it, it, you know, the effort has to be made. You can chew your way up the ladder. You can find out the information um, if needed. And like anything else in, in our world, in our business world, right, if you're intentional about it, the results will come. Yeah, I think there's a real opportunity, too, to model your your ability to be strategic just inside of how you manage, especially if you're the HR leader, how you manage the HR function in general. If people suddenly see the HR function being uh, not only efficient, but proactive, and you know maybe you're in a, a larger HR organization where you've got business partners who are responsible for certain areas of the business, and they're actually actively going out and speaking to their customers, their internal customers, and saying, you know, what are your challenges, or here are the things that we're seeing, uh, you know, how can we help you solve those? That that is strategy, you know, that's, and, and when you start to model that, then maybe you start to have some credibility as an HR leader and, and maybe you start to get, uh, you know, cl at least closer to the conference room if you're not at the table yet. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and we've talked mostly about the individual um, trying to achieve higher levels of strategic awareness and, and credibility, but then trans translating that into and throughout the team. Uh, that they're responsible for certainly uh, raises the awareness of the organization and reframes their view of HR long-term. Sometimes I think HR does need to push back, right? And sometimes we see that what got the organization to its level that it's successful isn't what's going to get it to the next level, especially from a people, you know, people practices point of view. And I think it gives a lot of HR professionals liver quiver to challenge their executives that, you know, um, retention, you know, things have changed and employee retention isn't as simple as it was when when we started the company. The, the markets change, the skill sets we need change or the competitions change, and maybe we need to rethink some of the issues around how we recruit people, how we and but also how we treat them when they're here, how we incentivize them, and uh, and I think a lot of HR folks are they just get kind of queasy about about you know speaking truth to leadership on those kinds of issues. 
what would you as a coach tell somebody who was kind of in that circumstance? <laughs> Get a coach. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, to your point. I mean, we begin to believe, right? If we've been told we're the redheaded stepchild for, for uh, a period of time, we begin to believe it. Um, and maybe that's the wrong use of a uh, of an example, but um, it, it's about your belief system and the value that you bring to the table. And a coach can certainly help reframe that for you um, so that you can um, fill those shoes, be, be that bold leader that um, if they see something, they say something, right? They step into it um, um, for the benefit of the organization. Um, and it's, it's not an easy step to take by any means, um, but it's certainly one that someone can take um, if they're willing to invest themselves in the process of, of reframing their belief system a bit about who they are and where their value proposition is. And I think sometimes the default, some, some professionals in all kinds of roles take is, well, I'm going to be the devil's advocate in every conversation mm -hmm. that I have. And I think they lose credibility very quickly then if, especially when they're coming to a, you know, a discussion without data and, you know, and, and they're constantly just basically they're the guy that's dragging out the, every meeting an extra 10 minutes just to, you know, steel man every argument. And I think there's a, there's a place for that, but um, you've got to balance it and, and you've got to be prepared for the conversation with data and under, and it goes back to understanding the organization's objectives and how, to reach these objectives, here are the challenges we're going to face on the people world and how we're going to get, you know, what we might need to consider to change to get there. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's true of, um, leadership period, not necessarily just HR leadership, right? You can, you can certainly gain a reputation for the sky is falling, um, by, by being that individual that you portrayed there uh, a moment ago. But I think the point is to do what, you know, as best possible, what we talked about earlier, and that is to first listen, um, gain greater insight, ask questions, clarify, uh, come to the table prepared with data uh, that supports any uh, position or stance that you're you're making as best possible, understanding that there's a lot of, uh, um, I don't know that it's missing data, but difficult data to to dig out uh, when it comes to some of the the the, the people dynamics. But it, it can be found. It can be justified. Um, and even if you don't have the internal data, there's certainly a lot of industry data um, and research that's been done to support a position that uh, aligns with a strategic outcome that's desired. Well, I, that's a good place to, to end it. I, I appreciate you being with us the, this week, Matt. Mike, thank you. I, I've enjoyed our conversation, and I hope there was some value to, uh, to your audience as well. And all of Matt's contact info will be in the show notes and on the website at goodmorninghr.com. And thank you all for listening. You can comment on this episode or search our previous episodes at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upcharge is our technical producer, and you can reach him at robmakespods.com. And thank you to Imperative's marketing coordinator, Marianne Hernandez, who keeps the trains running on time. I don't do it here often enough, but 
I need to recognize the entire Imperative team. Whether it's operations, IT, finance, or marketing, they execute every day to ensure that we serve clients who absolutely love us. And that frees me up to think strategically and pursue passion projects like supporting the local SHRM chapters and delivering this podcast. I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.